Good morning and welcome to Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts. I'm Rabbi Stephen Garten. As I speak to you this morning, we're close to the middle of the month of December, and all of us are aware of what that means. In the Christian world, we're about two weeks away from the celebration of Christmas, which will take place, as always, on December 25th, which is a Sunday this year. But in one of those strange confluences of events, the Jewish holiday of Hanukkah will also take place at a similar time. Hanukkah begins on the evening of December 24th, the Saturday before Christmas, and so it would be the same time as you, the Christian audience, think of the Christmas Eve. Um, this is an unusual occurrence um, because of the unique nature of the Hebrew calendar. We have spoken on this radio show a number of times in the past about the Hebrew calendar, which is an amalgam of the solar and lunar calendars. And, and in the Roman calendar, which we use on a daily basis, there's a need to have a leap year once every four years, which um, adds an extra day at the end of February to equalize the rotation of the sun and the moon um, and to give us um, a balanced number of days in um, the month, either 30 or 31. In the Hebrew calendar, as you may remember, we are not so fortunate to have one simple day added every four years, but rather seven times in 19 years, we add an additional month. And that emerges um, as the nuance of the Hebrew calendar, which allows us to keep our holiday cycle associated with the seasons of the year that the Torah, the Pentateuch, the five books of Moses, assign to those holiday seasons. So, hopefully that is all understood and why they overlap this year between Christmas and Hanukkah. To chat with me this morning uh, about Hanukkah is a newcomer to our Ottawa community. Rabbi Eitan Kentner um, is the new rabbi of an old but renamed congregation called um, Kihilat Beth Israel, a conservative Jewish congregation in our community. Uh, Kihilat Beth Israel is an amalgam of Agudat Yisrael, a long-standing conservative synagogue in uh, Ottawa, and the downtown congregation, which many of you who know Ottawa know from Rideau Street and Chapel Street, called Beth Shalom. This past year, they amalgamated as one conservative congregation, making them the largest Jewish congregation in Ottawa, and they have invited Rabbi Kentner to serve as their senior rabbi. Rabbi Kentner is a native of New York. I suppose we'll ask whether that means the city or the state, and most recently uh, came to us from Atlanta, Georgia. 
and we can ask him how he feels about shedding his short sleeve shirts for mucklucks. Rabbi Kentner is married to Stacy Zemlak Kentner and is the proud father of a two and a half year old son by the name of Boaz. Rabbi Kentner, welcome to uh, Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Well, do you say that about Ottawa, too? I I do. It's been wonderful. Oh, terrific. Um, So I imagine that the decision to come to Ottawa was somewhat based on the challenges of working in a brand new congregation. Um, But what how did you feel and how did your family feel about coming to the frozen north? So uh, I actually have a little bit of family history in uh, Canada. I actually lived in uh, Toronto from age two to four. Uh, and so I'm sure there was a time in my life where Zed was my default. Um, <laughs> and, uh, the metric system was familiar. Uh, but, uh, it's for us when we were figuring out where we wanted to go, uh, it was so much more about the community than the geography about finding the right community of which, uh, we wish to become a part that provided the right uh, opportunities uh, for us and our family, and so Ottawa was was a natural choice. Uh, and also, while it is further north and it is in another country, it is actually much closer to our families in the northeastern United States than Atlanta. Uh, so we were uh, fortunate to be able to drive home for American Thanksgiving in a way that we never could uh, from Atlanta, even if it meant that we were driving through a snowstorm. Well, that's wonderful. Um When you think of what the Jewish community and perhaps the community of Ottawa has to offer your family, what were some of the thoughts that went through your mind in making the decision to accept the invitation from Kehilat Beth Israel? Uh, One of the things that I was told in my interview process that I've definitely uh, experienced firsthand uh, is that Ottawa is a big city with a small town feel. Uh, then that's certainly true within the, the Jewish community, uh, that it is a large enough Jewish community that it has all the various different resources that we require, uh, but isn't such a big place that we feel like we get lost within uh, the, the hugeness of the place. So Atlanta, for example, has about 120,000 Jews, which is almost 10 times as many as are in Ottawa, and so uh, there end up being many more uh, Jewish communal institutions, uh, and which brings with it its own uh, unique sets of challenges. Uh, but what I liked about Ottawa is that it provided some of everything, but not too much, uh, <laughs> that we had access to everything that we needed, uh, but still an, an opportunity to uh, build and create something exciting here. Well, that's wonderful. Um, welcome to Ottawa. Thank you. Um, I hope that for you and a family, it will be as uh, positive an experience as it was for my family and myself when we moved here uh, a, more than two decades ago from the United States, and uh, for many of the same reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, so we wish you, on behalf of um all the listeners, uh, good luck with your congregation and good luck with raising your son, Boaz, and perhaps if God smiles on you, other children. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so we want to turn to the subject of Hanukkah. And as I know you might have listened to the introduction, I reminded our listeners that Hanukkah and Christmas uh, fall um, within a few hours of each other this year. And so perhaps we can begin our chat 
by um, you uh, sharing with our listeners what similarities and differences you see between Hanukkah and Christmas before we go into a more in-depth conversation about Hanukkah. Uh, wonderful. So uh, as, as you mentioned in the introduction, uh, one of the interesting things is that both Hanukkah and Christmas both start on the 25th day of the month. It is just of different months. Right. <laughs> Um, so, uh, the 25th day of December being Christmas and the 25th day of the month of Kislev on the uh, Jewish calendar, uh, is when Hanukkah falls. Uh, they both have motifs of light, um, as themes, which is very common for holidays that come, uh, during this time of the year where our days fortunately stop getting shorter and start getting longer and the light kind of returns, uh, to our daily lives. Uh, one of the major distinctions between the two is that Hanukkah is such a minor Jewish holiday uh, in comparison to Christmas, which is probably one of the two most significant, most significant Christian holidays, uh, that Hanukkah is a relatively minor Jewish holiday that has only raise, risen in esteem uh, in an attempt to compete in the marketplace uh, with Christmas during this time of year, uh, that for many of us are our parents or our grandparents would talk about the times before presents were given out on Hanukkah, about a time where um, the nature of the holiday was different. Uh, but due to the what we affectionately call the December dilemma of navigating uh, the concurrent holidays of the season of the year, uh, Hanukkah and Christmas have unfortunately kind of bumped up against each other uh, in that way when they, then they naturally don't necessarily have that uh, that kind of relationship. Um, I think also uh, one similarity that I, I think is important is that uh, for many of us, uh, the original meaning of the holiday has become very different than the current manifestation of the holiday. Ah, so let's use that as a segue. Yeah. Perhaps we'll come back to the December dilemma, um, which has many manifestations uh, in today's Jewish community besides the, sim- the confluence of dating. Yes. Um, There are two stories uh, that are components of the Hanukkah epic um, that are, I guess one could say, conflated. One is the story of Judah Maccabee and his merry band Mm -hmm. fighting uh, Greek Syrians. And the other is the uh, Kad Shemin, the story of the miracle of the oil. Um, so perhaps we could start from the beginning, and that is with the story of Judah Maccabee. How do you teach the story of Judah Maccabee in your synagogue? So the story of Judah Maccabee, and especially in relation to the story of the oil, uh, is one of the challenges that we encounter uh, within uh, synagogue life, and I don't think is necessarily unique, but I can only speak from my own personal experience, is that more often than not, Jews only or at least primarily learn how to be Jews as children. Uh, and the story of Hanukkah is complicated. It involves um, wars. It involves potentially a Jewish civil war, uh, which are complicated motifs to teach to a six-year-old. Uh, and so the historical story uh, that gets presented is about uh, standing up for our religious beliefs, the idea of 
that even in the face of great adversity, a small group of people who are fighting for a good cause have the opportunity to be victorious, are kind of the motifs that are the central focus related to the historical narrative that then tie into the oil, which also uh, represents that idea of uh, little being able to accomplish a great amount. So, uh, so let's just... Um, yeah. Uh, make sure that our listeners have a basic understanding to, of events to which you refer. Okay. Um, and that is that um, the land of Israel, Judea, mm-hmm. um, finds itself situated even today between Egypt and Syria. Mm-hmm. And that uh, following the death of Alexander the Great, um, his empire was divided between two generals, um, Seleucid and Ptolemy, and um, one was given the part of the empire centered around Egypt and one around Syria. And that poor little Israel was caught between the two. Yeah. Um, somewhere around the second century of the Common Era, before the Common Era, um, Israel was in the orbit of the Syrian Greeks, and um, there was a challenge to the leadership of the Syrian Greeks who, um, in as you um, enumerated, wanted um, to deny Jews the right to worship as they so wished. Good? Yeah, I think we're in a gr- and so good. And then what takes place? Yes, and to 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 this day, there is a question as to whether the initial struggle was between the uh, Syrian Greek uh, forces and the Jewish people, or whether it was between the um, the assimilated Jews who had um, fully bought into the Syrian uh, and Greek ideology against the more uh, religious zealots among them. But in about 168 uh, before the Common Era, uh, we have uh, Mattathias, who is the father of Judah Maccabee, uh, who is from the priestly clan, uh, who assembled a band of individuals who uh, were in favor of maintaining the religious commitment of the Jewish people and not and fighting against the um, the Greek and Syrian influences that were coming in and coming into the temple and uh, bringing in a statue of Zeus into the temple and sacrificing pigs, both of which were, were prohibited actions in that particular place. And so he famously uh, said, Me, Lad, and I, Eli, whoever is with God, come with me. And he and his five sons uh, led a battle against the Syrian Greeks. Uh, to uh, attempt to uh, hold off the the Greek trends that were overwhelming the society and to be able to maintain their own religious integrity. Uh, a couple of years later, Mattathias uh, Matitiahu dies, and his son Judah Maccabee, Judah the Hammer, which is a great nickname, um, came uh, and took his place. Uh, and together with his brothers, uh, led the rebellion against Antiochus. Um, I believe it's Antiochus the uh, Fourth, and uh, and eventually uh, are victorious and are able to restore the temple to its uh, previous integrity. And so, from that story, um, emerges a um, example of a small band of. Um, 
how should we say, um, a small band of um, dedicated fighters mm-hmm. um, withstanding the large uh, army of its opponents. Um, today, we would call that guerrilla fighting. Mm-hmm. And as you may remember, uh, in uh, the early years of the 20th century, it was not uncommon that at the U.S. military academy known as West Point, the story of the Maccabees was taught as an example of uh, guerrilla fighting. Um, it's no longer taught since we have so many examples from the modern era of guerrilla fighting, uh, beginning mm-hmm. with the Vietnam epic. Um, now, the story of the Maccabees is told in two books um, called the Books of Maccabees, which are not included in the Hebrew Tanakh, in the officially sanctioned um, volumes of the Hebrew Bible. Um, do you have a sense of what you teach people? Uh, now we're not talking about six-year-olds, but adults, yeah. as to why those books aren't included? Yeah, so the rabbis, who uh, were the ones who created the post Second Temple version of Judaism that we continue to practice today, uh, were not great fans of the Maccabees. Uh, that they, because following their successful rebellion, uh, both they usurped the leadership from the rightful heirs of the tribe of Judah, of the Davidic uh, uh, monarchy, and took over the leadership for themselves, and also allowed uh, Greco Roman um, influences to come into the land of Israel. Uh, even though that is the the very fight that Hanukkah is uh, is I guess celebrating, though uh, it feels like the wrong word. Um, so the rabbis didn't love the Maccabees and didn't want to give them the uh, full amount of credit for the story and the narrative and the events of the of Hanukkah. And therefore, uh, while almost every other Jewish holiday has a book in the Talmud, which is the uh, rabbinic document uh, of beginning with the Mishnah, which is from the year 200, and the Talmud, which is from about 300 years later, which is the rabbinic stories and narrative that, that built the version of Judaism we have today. Uh, Hanukkah is the only holiday that doesn't have its own book, that doesn't have its own collection of stories and laws. It's included within the section about the Sabbath lights. Uh, and as, as another way that the rabbis were attending to minimize the role of the Maccabees in the story of Hanukkah, which then leads us to the story of the oil. Aha. So, as you mentioned, um, there is no book of Hanukkah in the Talmud, though there's a book on Passover and a book on Rosh Hashanah and a book on Yom Kippur Mm -hmm. and a book on Sukkot um, embedded in what's called um, Masechet, the section of Shabbat in a conversation about the Shabbat lights, is the question, my Hanukkah. What is Hanukkah? Mm-hmm. Um, and as you alluded to, it's there that um, our um, rabbinic ancestors um, offer a definitive explanation of what Hanukkah is. And I'll let you tell the story as you remember it from your study of Masechet Shabbat. So my my best recollection, though I do have, you know, again, two weeks before Hanukkah um, <laughs> to, to uh, remind myself, uh, is that uh, when the war was over, the, it fell to uh, the Jewish people to restore the temple. Uh, and in restoring the temple among the tasks at hand was to light the menorah, the seven-branch candelabra 
that was part of the uh, inner sanctum of the temple. And so uh, when they were searching for uh, uncompromised oil, oil that hadn't been used for idolatrous purposes, uh, they were only able to find a single cruise of oil that should have only been able to last for one day. And so rather than saying this would only last for one day, it'll never get us through where we need to be, uh, they ignited the flame uh, with the oil that they had, and a miracle happened, and the oil lasted for eight days, uh, providing a sufficient opportunity to collect uh, and prepare new oil uh, for the candelabra. And as the oil lasted miraculously for eight days, we now celebrate the Hanukkah festival for eight days as well. Great. So... We're not going to uh, discuss this morning, in the time allowed to us, um, the notion of true stories um, in the rabbi's writings of the Talmud. But I think it's worth noting that the rabbis had an intentionality, as you suggested, of telling this story to minimize the military victory and to um, heighten the notion of God's uh, presence in human events. Um, And they choose the prophetic reading for the Shabbat of Hanukkah, which would be, I guess, the 31st of January, uh, 31st of December, to be uh, from the book of Habakkuk. Am I right? If I'm remembering correctly, yes. I think so, and both of us... um, The Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, yes, and that in in it, in the um, story, it says in the Haftarah, the prophetic reading, um, the famous line, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit alone, Um, and that becomes the clarion call for Hanukkah, Mm -hmm. Uh, not by might um, and not by power, but by faith in God. Yes, and that becomes the um, rabbinic emphasis of what this holiday is supposed to be, and as one could expect it, therefore, is just another example of God's um, interaction on behalf of the Jewish people throughout history and has no, uh, as you suggested earlier, major uh, place in the Jewish calendar with the biblically uh, proclaimed holidays. Good? Yeah. So um, now, um, how do you um, help your congregants understand um, that Hanukkah is not the Jewish Christmas? Um, Living in a non-Jewish world, living in Ottawa, which has a small Jewish population, unlike Atlanta or Toronto or even Montreal, let alone uh, major centers of East Coast United States. How do you help your congregants keep Hanukkah within its proper context? Um, So the first way is to not try to compare one holiday to another, but to allow each holiday to exist in its own right, to exist in its own way, and to celebrate what it is meant to celebrate. Uh, that, uh, you know, there are times where Hanukkah can literally be three to four weeks before Christmas, uh, and so the confluence is less acute, uh, though this year it is probably most acute in that way. 
uh, in terms of navigating them both on the same side. But at the same time, I don't like when someone wishes me happy holidays instead of being able to say to a Christian friend, Merry Christmas, and be able to say to me, Happy Hanukkah, because it then tries to equate all the holidays into one uh, shared sense of holidays rather than actually enabling all of us to celebrate each holiday in its own uh, important way uh, based upon our own faith traditions. Uh, so to me, that is one aspect uh, of the season that's really important. Uh, the other idea that I would try to tie into is this idea of uh, in today's society, it can often feel like we have very little power over the events of our world, uh, over the, the uh, our socialized, our politicalized, over uh, the world in which we live. And Hanukkah is meant to be a reminder to us that no matter how small the group, if we are fighting for a righteous cause, uh, there is the opportunity for victory. There is the opportunity to create and establish the world in which we wish to live. And so to me, that is a major motif that I would want to instill uh, entering into the season in a way that uh, can hopefully make Hanukkah resonate in a way that is independent of how many days of presence is, is someone receiving. So um, in your congregation, do you attempt um, to um, join the story of Hanukkah with some sort of, um, um, I want to call it uh, political action, but I don't mean it has to be political, mm -hmm. some sort of um, project or intentionality that says to your congregants, we can control events, even if they look to be beyond our control, uh, following yeah. up on what you just said. Yes, and I think that for me, that's an important rabbinic value that transcends just Hanukkah, is that uh, a piece that I struggle with in my own professional life is uh, sermons are lovely, but kind of exist in a moment and don't necessarily bring about any real change or any real action. Uh, and so Hanukkah hopefully can be an example. I believe your professors of homiletics uh, <laughs> taught you that. Yes. So uh, the, idea, the idea of utilizing Hanukkah as an opportunity to remember that uh, belief in God, that belief in oneself, that belief in one's faith uh, can be an impetus uh, for action, and that the need for very specific action, the need to feel that you are not engaging in that action alone. But again, Mattathias said, whoever is with God, come with me. You're not doing this by yourself. Let's do this together. Let's work on this project together, um, I think, is a way to utilize Hanukkah as an opportunity to unite a community uh, to, towards working towards a cause of, uh, of general concern uh, that otherwise we might feel that we may not be able to achieve. Uh, but together... Um, if we are believe in what we're trying to accomplish, we'll be able to accomplish a great deal. In the um, 90 seconds that we have left this morning, I'm wondering if you have a um, message for our listeners who are primarily um, not Jewish um, about how they should um, understand um, the importance of Hanukkah to the Jewish community uh, today, um, in 2016? 
So one additional component that I would add that we haven't talked about so far uh, is there is a sentiment related to the lighting of the Hanukkah, of lighting of the candelabra, that it is supposed to be lit in the window or at the front door uh, because of the idea, as it's called in Aramaic, of Pirsuma Denisa, of publicizing the miracle, uh, that we aren't supposed to... Uh, hide the celebration of Hanukkah. We aren't supposed to be embarrassed by our faith, but supposed to publicize our faith. And I think that often in our world, uh, Jews feel like we can't be overly public with our faith because we're not part of the majority, uh, because uh, it is not the dominant religious uh, belief structure of the place in which we live. Uh, But Hanukkah is a reminder to us that our religion needs to be important enough to us that we're willing to share it, that we're willing to uh, present it, and we're willing to publicize it as part of our, our observance. And so I think for our, our non-Jewish listeners, uh, the idea of, of acknowledging and recognizing that that is a real struggle for a lot of Jews in terms of uh, because of the history uh, of persecution that we've encountered through our past, of not wanting to be overly forward about our faith, not trying to put our religious beliefs uh, too out there, too out into the world. Uh, and hopefully a Hanukkah is a time through this idea of Bersuma Denisa, where we can feel comfortable sharing our beliefs, and in doing so, don't have to fear that there's a lack of understanding of what it is that we're doing, but an opportunity to be embraced for who we are. Gee, I, I think that's a perfect place to end. I want to thank you, Rabbi Eitan Kentner, um, Rabbi of Kehilat Beth Israel, who has joined me this morning to chat about Hanukkah. And uh, again, uh, welcome to our community. I hope it will be a warm and uh, bright uh, Hanukkah for you and your family. For, this is Rabbi Stephen Garten for Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts, wishing everybody a good day and shalom. Shalom.